0: Well, hey, Woodside family. Welcome to another exciting edition of The Link. And to our friends who are joining us, we're so grateful for you tuning in today. We're going to have a pretty provocative discussion about a topic that is deeply biblical, but unfortunately, in the wrong hands can also be equally divisive. We're going to talk about politics. Now, I know all of you have been trained that there's two things you don't talk about in public. That is religion and politics. Well the Bible would say otherwise. I think we need in all areas of life to have a strong biblical worldview. And the only way we can do that is to make sure we're talking about the issues that scripture talks about. If you haven't noticed, we're also in an election year. That means that culture has been thrust into yet another season of of chaos and tensions and controversies. And maybe you've noticed that the body of Christ doesn't do terribly well in times like that historically. You know, if you talk to most millennials, they will tell you that one of the things that they um, hate the most about the American experience right now is how divisive politics have become, how polarizing they've become. And I think they would also say to you, if they were honest, that the church has been merely a reflection of that instead of a solution towards that. So today, we're gonna talk to uh, some great leaders about how we as Christians can engage politic and governmental affairs in a biblical and God-honoring way. I feel like saying, let's get ready to rumble. Uh, With that being said, I'm so grateful to be joined by a few good uh, brothers in Christ. Uh, First off, uh, Pastor Ryan Ruh. Uh, pastor Ryan is the campus pastor for our Pontiac campus. Ryan, I appreciate you joining me, brother. Thanks for having me, Pastor. I'm excited. Good to have you. Uh, also, Pastor John Morales, Dr. John Morales, pastor of our uh, Rolo campus. Pastor John, how are you, sir? Doing great. Great to be here with these all of you guys. Well, it's good to be with you as well. And also joining us is a good brother and friend, James Muffet. James helped to uh, found a couple of organizations, Citizen for Traditional Values, as well as the Student Statesmanship Institute, where you have trained young people on, among many other things, how to engage uh, government and civic affairs with a distinctly Christian worldview perspective. You are a legend in this region (laughs) and in my heart. I'm grateful for you, brother. How are you?
1: Good, and it's good to be here with you, friend.
0: Good to be with you as well.
1: I'll be the token outsider today. there
0: you go. There you go. Well, it's good to have you with us, and you're among friends. Yeah. Uh, let's start this conversation with uh, just uh, the realities of it. Mm-hmm. The reality is is that this is a thorny conversation that most people would rather avoid altogether. I talked about millennials yeah. uh, not uh, really wanting government uh, engagement to be a part mm-hmm. of the conversation. Uh, there are so many that feel like the problem with our culture is partisan politics. It's ripping us apart. And again, uh, many will say that the church has just placated to that, either being the religious wing of the Republican Party or the religious wing of the Democratic Party. And some would even say the term evangelical is more of a political term than a theological term. So here's my question to you, James. Why shouldn't we throw away governmental involvement? and, uh, And why should we be involved? And how do we do it as Christians?
1: Yeah. Well, I've been praying through, working on that, and trying to engage on that, uh, those topics for probably 30 years now, yeah. and uh, I've made a lot of mistakes in that arena. <laughs> I've done a lot of the wrong things. Uh, I'm probably an expert for what not to do, and um, hopefully I've learned a few things. And, and the biggest one for me was that politics, it's a, a reflection of authority in our lives, and we are citizens of two kingdoms, whether we like it or not. Yes. We're, we're king, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Paul said our citizenship is in heaven yeah. that's a word that actually can be translated our politics are in heaven yeah. and then jesus said pray thy kingdom come yeah. heavenly truth into earth on earth as it is in heaven yeah. so we're in the kingdom of this world whether we like it or not and we're in the kingdom of heaven as believers whether we like it or not yeah. with our primary allegiance being to the kingdom of heaven and our expression of the kingdom of heaven into the world including the world of politics So I have this new definition of politics. It's um, a public conversation about important issues leading to decisions that affect every one of our lives, whether we like it or not. So not being a part of the conversation means decisions are gonna be made, Right. And you're going to have to live under them. And if you opt out, you have no room for any kind of complaining.
0: <laughs> you know, I think it's important that you bring that up because every law that's established has a moral underpinning. Everyone. I don't care if it's seat belts right. or where you can smoke or can't smoke right. Right. or in, in cases of human sexuality and marijuana and all of these things that are so big in our conversations and culture, we have to have a yeah. voice in those arenas. Yeah. But, but how, do we, how do we do that, though, without just parroting the talking points of either partisan group? Yeah, that's the
1: difficult thing. And I, for me, it's allegiance to God and to his kingdom and to his word and to the principles and the values in the word of God. And then working those out into a conversation case by case rather than party by party. Yeah. And that's hard because the minute you take a position that someone doesn't agree with, yes. you're a target from someone. Yeah. And that's why people ignore it. But the Bible tells us to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. That's what's missing. I think we can have strong opinions, but what we can't have is vitriol and anger and denigration. And that's what comes with it. The parties, that's what they use. Those are their weapons. And as Christians, it's not about weapons. It's about a stewardship. Of the earth that God gave us, and what's best for all people at all times, and how do we bring that into the political arena? Oh my gosh, that's hard. <laughs> it's, it's good, it but is, it's
0: hard. It is. You know, in his book, Them, uh, Republican Senator Ben Sass mm. uh, says that we have left the world of politics and entered into the world of anti politics. Uh, we, we no longer have uh, parties that are known for what they're for, but being against each other. And I hear you saying something totally different. Mm -hmm. When we first met, I heard you say that as Christians, we need to bring the fruit of the spirit Mm -hmm. to all that we do. So we can disagree, but we need to bring that. Uh, John, uh, as I listen to James, the thing that I hear him saying is that we have to work our political vision from our theology down, not from our party politics up. Right. And so let's have a theological conversation. A lot of examples in scripture of, um, of those who were leaders engaged in politics. I think about Moses. I think about uh, Daniel. I think about Nehemiah. These were political figures, right? So um, for some, the reality is not avoidance, though. For some, the reality is they want all of it and more. They want to get involved in it. Uh, and uh, totally give themselves over to to politics. How do we engage without it becoming an idol in our lives? Yeah, it's good, Chris. I think
2: think we start with what you said at the beginning. We have to have a robust worldview that is biblical. And so I would start by saying that uh, Jesus Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth. um, And yet his kingdom is not of this world, right? And so he said to Pilate, who was the representative of Roman authority in Jerusalem at that time, he said to him, my kingdom is not of this world. He says that twice, um, right when he's being condemned. And that's his answer to the question from Pilate, are you the king of the Jews? And so I think what Jesus seems to be saying to Pilate is that, yes, I am a king, but you have no idea the kind of king that I am. We define kingship very differently because in the Christian vision, we uh, it's amazing we, we have a vision of the future has already come but it's come in seed form and so the the future that we want of complete healing and justice and peace has come with the arrival of christ but it's working its w- way throughout the world now as leaven through a lump of dough right and so that future that has come uh, cannot be preserved or sustained or entered into by the rule of law or by the might of the sword. It's only sustained, preserved, and entered into by word and sacrament. And so in the public sphere, the body of Christ, the church, uh, never competes for control, right? Rather, we point to the healer. It's what we do. And so that's the first thing is that we have to be clear on these spheres of authority. Uh, you know whether you formulate it as uh, Augustine did with the two cities, or Luther with the two kingdoms, or others that talk about two different ages. It's all getting at, the, at this idea that there are there's a kingdom of God and the kingdom of the earth, and in the kingdom, in the realms of the earth, um, we we preserve order. Through the sword, through law, and in the kingdom of God, we, it's preserved and it grows and expands throughout the world by word and sacrament. So that's very important. I think as a second thing, I would say something that you uh, mentioned, James, and it is that we have a dual citizenship, right? And sit in heaven and on earth, and it's very important that we take both of those seriously. Absolutely. Um, Paul Paul talks about this, as you said, in Philippians 3, our citizenship is in heaven, but then in Acts, you have two different um, situations where Paul plays the card of his Roman citizenship. Oh, yeah. And what's interesting about those um, events is that it's both of them are in situations where people, when some people were trying to deny Paul certain rights that he had. I think what we can glean from those episodes with Paul is that the lawful government, when it's functioning properly, it's meant to protect us Mm -hmm. and allow us to pursue our goals of human flourishing. And so I think it's important for us, whether Christians, but really everyone, that we see to it and are engaged in in the exercise of protecting a political process. Mm -hmm. And one last thing that I would say is that um, the good, throughout history, in the public sphere, the good has always been debated and discussed. It can never be assumed from before Plato and thereafter, Mm -hmm. uh, we always have to define what is the good life? What is good government? What are good policies domestically and internationally? What makes for racial um, justice? Uh, What makes for economic development? And so we all have vested interest in the answers to those questions. And therefore, we need engagement in the political process. and yet, you know, because the political process helps us to shape and validate the answers to those questions. And so I, I think that we have to start with forming and having a robust uh, worldview biblically to understand what the political process can and can't do.
0: Uh, John, that um, that summary you gave, it provokes um, both Christian imagination and you know, arouses the uh, the opportunity, at least in my heart and mind, to uh, see our churches be a reflection of our politics, the kingdom politics that we shouldn't just simply. Uh, have a megaphone in front of us and be the loudest uh, voice in the room concerning uh, one particular issue or the other. But what we have to do is be able to embody, this is what the the good life looks like in community, right? Uh, Love lived out publicly in the key issues. and, And it's through our example and modeling of that. Faith working through love. Yeah, faith working through love that we really influence the places um, that we're in. You know, Ryan, it would be, um, it would be great if we had the luxury of being able to uh, pastor people who all thought alike, right? Um, You don't have that luxury, I I don't have that luxury, right? So we walk into these uh, spiritual families called churches and there's diversity of thought there. There's diversity of opinion that has, as much as we we may want to keep people focused on scripture, it has been influenced by the political voices they're hearing, right? I I wanna hear you talk about how you, in Pontiac, shepherding this beautiful church family, maintain unity, Christian unity, when you have diverse political thoughts. Yeah, it's a great question. I think a lot of it goes back to what
3: John and James have already said about allegiance, right? That we have to understand that our top line identifier is that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Now beneath that, other things come into play. Whatever political party you would assimilate to, where what neighborhood you live in, what type of water bottle you choose to drink out of, whatever it might be. But our top line identifier and our top line allegiance and citizenship has to remain in heaven to Jesus. And when we can agree on the most important thing, it's like majoring in the minors, right? We've said that. We've probably heard that. We agree on the most important thing, though, that we can all rally behind that, that we are one new humanity created in Christ and that his cause will always prevail. So I think in that, you know, we talked about Uh, faith leading, leading out through love, that we have to also model these things in thought, word, and deed. That if we are preaching Christ, if we are living Christ, then not only should it come out in our ideology, not only should it come out in our speech, whether a megaphone or whispers in a dark room, but that should come out in our lives. That our words should model the gospel, but our lives, in my opinion, should scream the gospel. So when I see people on the street, you know, I don't want them to see a different picture of who I am perhaps in the pulpit. And I think for all of us in our lives, that we have to have the same kind of Christian witness no matter where we are. And I think the biggest problem that we run into uh, when we're speaking about diversity, whether in a congregation or the workplace, is that we are always looking uh, sort of towards that confirmation bias, that we're not not often looking for people who would disagree with us, because that's where real learning comes from. What we're actually most commonly looking for is people who will agree with us, so it will prove us right and make us feel good. So as we think about diversity, there is beauty in diversity. God has created us diverse, right? People often say like, I don't see color. God does. Yeah. God created it as such. He gave us beauty in diversity. So when we're in diverse settings, praise God that you have the opportunity to learn from someone that might have a different lived experience, to, to learn from someone whose life looks different than yours does while you're both proclaiming, living, loving allegiance, ultimately to Christ Jesus as your highest top
0: line identifier. You know, James. is I wow. listen to Ryan, I love it. I resonate. I want to be a part of that. But I do hear the uh, the unheard masses saying, "That's pretty cute." <laughs> but in the real world of, of politics, <laughs> yeah. politics is a competition. Yeah. You win. That means. I lose, right? And so how do we rise above Mm. that, right? Because it's not like, and I agree with you, Ryan, that what identifies us the most, our primary identifying factor is that we are in Christ. That was true for Paul, true for every believer in Christ. Uh, But yet it's not like these sub markers are unimportant. Right. It it is important as we consider freedom of speech, Mm -hmm. uh, freedom of religion, Mm -hmm. as we consider the right to bear arms, as we consider uh, civil rights, as we kind of walk through our Constitution. Those things are there because they are important. Mm -hmm. They're very important. And so um, how how do we rise above the competitive nature uh, of the zero sum game, if you will? of politics. Well, I've worked through that one too
1: because I am a competitive man. Okay, I, I am you know. one of those guys. And you know, not against other people as often as against myself. I just want to do the best and be the best if I can. And then I want to win if I can. Yeah. Um, but I, I've come to this point where the, um, the, the two citizens thing is so important because it's true all the time. Yeah. We don't get to escape either one at any time. And so, Jesus and the gospel, they tell us, the writers tell us that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So, that means everything that's in the secondary identifiers, whether it's party, whether it's race, whether it's ideology, whether it's position on issue or a choice of a candidate, all of those things, while very important, they are not the most important. And so, keeping things in order, and we've all said the same thing, you've got to keep them in order. And so, I am... Got friends in the Republican Party, and, and they're in the Republican Party, but if they're believers, they're not of that. They're not of the party spirit. They're not of that competitive, destroy the other guy. Yeah. They're in it because of love and because they want the good life for the largest number of people. They may disagree on the right mechanism to get us there, yeah. and that's where politics really is. Everybody wants good education. Yeah. The rub is they disagree on what's the best mechanism to get it, and almost all the other ones. So... So our allegiance, it comes back to that, and um, the, this, this thing of rising above, it never leaves my thinking. Whether I'm in my family, or whether I'm in you know, a neighborhood group, or whether I'm in my church, or whether I'm in a political gathering, we can't be of that, yeah. primarily.
0: Yeah. And, you know, um, Ryan, uh, as I listen to uh, James, I think that part of what we have to do is kind of assume that we have been influenced by the spirit (laughs) of the world. You know, we've just come through this pandemic, right, where the health officials said to us, assume that you're your carrier. (laughs) Right. Until otherwise proven. And I think in some ways we have to assume that God, maybe my heart has been influenced by the competitive nature the unhealthy zero sum game Mm -hmm. of our present political culture. And I need to pray in what ways has it been infected and how can I um, not only rid myself of that, but to model something different. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, A couple things that when we align
3: with the the issues of our diversity and we say we find those similarities within those diversities, we can begin to celebrate instead of uh, highlighting or propping up the few diversities between us that are meant to separate us. If you look at the mainstream media, right, if you look at uh, 24-hour news cycles, you see things that people want to elevate in order to separate when we need to be looking at that which lies between us as a unifier to raise that up. In a book called uh, Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes, they talk about how you have to be de-discipled in order to be discipled to Christ, that you have to be de-discipled from this Western materialistic culture. So yes, absolutely. And we're in the world, but not of the world, but the world gets all over us, right? You know, in so many different ways. So we have to, like you said, pastor, look very, very intently onto our hearts. Ask the Holy Spirit of the living God to to search me and know my heart and see what areas might I be holding on to things that are Countercultural to christ what areas has my contextualization or my lived experience caused me to think something that is contradictory to the gospel and then pray that jesus would root that out so that you might become uh, a healthy more full uh, separated from that contextualization almost into your
0: authentic self in christ a new creation truly that's good you know john You know, the thing that I've uh, come to figure out is that really the problem is with everyone else. (laughs) I'm I'm grateful that I've gotten this right and that really it's just you guys that need to fix yourself. (laughs) Right. And this is the way we approach. You know, I, I don't think anyone would deny that's watching us right now what we're saying. But I think that what most people would assume is that. That's right, and that's why they need to change, right? And so what are some things, some safeguards of the heart that maybe we can do to evaluate our own hearts? You know, I know one of the things that I try to do, John, is to avoid the temptation to think the worst about the other and to minimize the faults of my own tribe, um, but to try to ask the question, okay, what I'm feeling right now If I were to exchange Democrat for Republican, Republican for Democrat, would I come to the same conclusion, right? Uh, The way I'm evaluating this current president would I, would I have had the same evaluation or assessment of the previous president? So I try to ask myself those questions as kind of a litmus test to my own heart of bias. Uh, what are some safeguards that you would recommend?
2: No, that's, that's really good, Chris. I think that it's so important that we look at the heart, our own hearts. And so I think that uh, we should neither demonize nor idolize public servants. You know, I think that, and we just do that with not just political figures, but with anyone that we get excited about. We pin our hopes in them. And I think that anyone that I agree with is flawed. Anyone I disagreed with is flawed. And I think it's important for us to recognize that progress happens slowly and that major significant strides are made over generations. Yeah. I also think it's good, important for us to know that evil is systemic. And so it really goes beyond um, one person's actions or ideas. And so, and so what I think we need to do is learn to really see um, anyone that we're evaluating as a person, as a human. I feel like it's so easy for us to not see public figures that way. And we need to uh, pray for them, pray for their wisdom, for wisdom for them beyond their experience and circumstances and party uh, interests. And I think that we also, but yeah, in seeing them as humans, I mean, they are people who eat, who have families, who who get sick. And I think that if we can see them as humans, in all the you know, their wonderful and uh, frail humanity, we're going to make you know some you know strides forward. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one right. more thing that I would say, um, if, if that's okay, yeah. uh, one more thing that I would say would would be for us to engage in debates and discussions with real persons. rather than taking cheap shots online. And I know we've all seen that. Thank you for saying that, That, sir. (laughs) Well, but yeah, but it's it's so easy to do that. And I think that the gospel uh, impresses on us that we need to listen and listen well, especially to those that we disagree with. And it's difficult to do that. I think we need to engage seriously people's uh, ideas, however outlandish we think they are. And the gospel does give us the resources to do that because the gospel doesn't tell us I'm right, they're wrong, whoever they are. The gospel tells us we're all wrong. And yet we're all made in the image of God and we're all in need of redemption. And if we can really use that knowledge to go toward our ideological enemies, I
1: think that we can really see progress. We're actually supposed to love our enemies. That's right. I think that's in the Bible.
0: Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, you've opened up a, a topic that we could spend much time on, and that mm-hmm. is the role social media has played in this in this engagement. And I would just simply say that um, I would uh, amen, as I'm sure all of us would, the thought of in-person engagement. Yeah. Um, um, social media, I'm not anti-social media, but it's a bad place to try to hash out political differences. I would just add one more thing, and that is that what what I've tried to discipline myself to do is to say concerning every politician I know that there's gonna be a mixed bag. Very rarely do you run into the politician that does all good, and very rarely do you run into the one that does only bad. And part of what we have to be able to do is to say as Christians, our allegiance is to Christ, and we're going to celebrate When they do good and we're going to stand against or resist, when they do bad. And I think that we have to be consistent about that no matter who's in office. Um, I just want to give uh, some encouragement to those of you who find yourself exhausted about this topic or maybe even um, finding yourself through this conversation saying, wow, there's a lot more thought that I need to give to this uh, to not be disheartened. I think as Christians, we should always be maturing and always be growing. But I pray that as a church family, that we would model something different, Mm -hmm. that we would be an alternative community to the culture around us that is so marked by divisiveness and polarization that somehow, not by Uh, denying the importance of political and civic engagement but by how we bring the fruit of the spirit to it, being able to engage. I want to give you, James, because you're a guest, uh, the final word. You and Ryan got a chance to uh, partner together at our Pontiac campus Mm -hmm. uh, around the Student Statesmanship Institute which has been so awesome for mentoring the next generation of political leaders. You've been doing that for a while. Our former lieutenant governor came through your program as well and it's awesome. Um, But here's my question for you. There are some that are watching us right now that say, I want to answer the call of Christ in my life. And I believe that that call is to go into uh, the halls of government. I want to serve Christ, time, talent, and treasure in politics. Mm -hmm. How do they get started with that?
1: Well, um, man, I have this conversation probably weekly with somebody who either wants to run for office or asking that question. And, um, you know, First thing, you got to realize that by doing it, um, you can't start by just there. The Bible says the first thing we haven't even talked about yet is that we're supposed to pray for all those in authority. Mm-hmm. And that starts with, with the one you disagree with. I actually pray for the ones I disagree with more yeah. than the ones I agree with because I need to, my own heart needs the work. <laughs> it keeps me from going into that bad place of you know, anger or whatever. But but so and then secondly, it's a stewardship. It's not the kingdom of God. Yes. It's not the be all end all and it can't answer the deepest questions. Yes. So I'm more engaged than I've ever been and I'm less convinced that it has the real answers. I'm, excuse me. I'm more convinced that it doesn't have the real answers, yes. but it's a stewardship. Yes. So if I'm going to be a steward, what do I do? How do I be a steward? And there are so many levels. You know, some people come to me and they get all excited and they want to run for office and I'm going to run for U.S. Senate as my first time. And I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? I think babies like crawl first and then they walk and then they run. So my advice is to start small in your local communities. You can be a precinct delegate and that's a great way to start to get involved at the local level. You can find a candidate who's running that you like or agree with. Help them on their campaigns. Um, You can attend party meetings. You can... Um, call and write your legislators, which people don't do, at, call them on the phone and ask to meet with them. They'll, they'll actually meet with you. And we don't do that. We want to yell at them when they do something bad and never praise them when they do something good. And that's, you know, they tell me, the politicians tell me their phone rings off the hook. Yes. With people telling them how bad they are.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, Politicians and, and pastors.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, and <laughs> pastors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so when they tell me, I took a group of pastors in and we prayed for a number of lawmakers a few years ago. We just went office to office and said, How can we pray for you? They were blown away. They were in tears. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. They were in tears. And so whatever proactive, and that's my view is don't be reactive only. Like things go bad and you react and you're mad. But if you only do that. You've not moved into citizenship which is really being a proactive person that can be very small or it can be something more significant but whatever it is it comes out of a stewardship heart and a love for people not just a desire for power or frame fame or influence and um, so many ways to get involved and our website ctvmichigan.org has all of that on there from the bottom to the top on ways to get engaged we actually have people who serve as church liaisons to help their their culture in their church approach these issues from a biblical standpoint rather than from the partisan standpoint.
0: Yeah, but I think we should see it as a calling. Yes. We should submit it to prayer. Yes. But, I, but I also want to say, and I think you brought this up as huge, is that there's so much... Uh, attention paid to federal and national politics that we underestimate the importance of local engagement. And so starting your community. If you're faithful in a little thing, Jesus said, I will make
1: you ruler over much.
0: There you go. We
1: want to go to the ruler over much instead of, you know, here's my neighborhood. How can I be a blessing there? Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate what you've Uh, brought into my life and how you've enriched this discussion. I want to close and I wanted to to do something uh, maybe a little bit different. uh, And that is to model what it's like to pray just for a minute each, uh, but just praying for our political leaders. Uh, We all know there's been a massive amount of of, uh, tension uh, between our president and our governor, and we need to pray uh, intensely for both. And then we all Hopefully, are praying for the unity of the church. Mm-hmm. So, James, I want to ask you if you'd be willing to pray for our governor. Okay. I Take a minute to pray for her, uh, Governor Whitmer. Uh, Ryan, I'll ask you to pray for President Trump. Uh, pray for our president, and then John, if you could pray for the unity of the church, mm-hmm. and and in particular for those who maybe are watching this, a do since call, mm-hmm. a call of christ on their lives to serve him in uh in political office uh james can you say amen lord we are so blessed uh to be called
1: by you for this time in this place in history we know that there's no accident and there's no uh just chance built into your your kingdom lord and we know that you have given us this governor at this moment in history uh, governor gretchen whitmer and lord i know god that. you know there are many issues surrounding her and decisions but lord i pray as i've prayed just about daily god that you would she would find herself being irresistibly drawn to her knees to the throne of grace, that, Lord, she would, that you would send counselors and and advisors and pastors to her, Lord, that could minister to her, that could encourage her to help her, Lord, that you would surround her with godly wisdom from people, Lord, who are not just playing the political games, but people, Lord, who are really uh, tuned in to what's good and what's best and what's right and what's just. I pray, Lord, for her that, that uh, she would... Um, have wisdom beyond her experience and her, and her, uh, her level, even her level of, of governor, Lord, that she would have uh, compassion and a desire, Lord, to do good that would be overwhelming, Lord. But mostly I pray, God, that you would just surround her with your protection, surround her with your grace and your love, God, and that she would not, um, she would not try to do this all in her own strength, Lord. How hard is that? And that she would find herself, as I said earlier, God, just drawn to to Jesus Christ, drawn to the grace that is at the throne, uh, at your throne, Lord.
3: Father, I agree with my brother's prayers. I thank you that you have put us into government. And right now, I pray for President Donald Trump. God, I do not have any idea what it's like to be in that office. I do not have any idea what that responsibility feels like, but you do that you have been touched with all of our infirmity. You know every thought that we think, every word that we would speak. So I thank you right now, Jesus Christ, that you have intimate knowledge of President Donald Trump. You know everything about him. You know every word he would ever speak, everything he's ever done, you know him intimately. So we speak to you as people that do not know him intimately. And we pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would touch him. You would touch his mind, you would touch his heart, you would touch his family, you would touch his marriage, you would touch his parenting, and then you would touch his vocation, God, that you have called him to be the president of the United States of America, but you've also called him as an image bearer. So I pray right now that we would pray for our president regularly daily each and every one of us that we would pray for wisdom that your word says that we should pray for our leaders so that we would live we would lead quiet and peaceable lives so i pray that the strife in our lives would be relieved by your touching of our president donald trump so i pray right now in the name of jesus touch him lord for your glory by your grace and for our good in the name of jesus we ask
2: father we pray for the unity of your church throughout our nation, in our state. Father, I pray that in, in this political year of election, God, that um, that we would be very clear on who it is that we bow down to. Father, I pray that you would help us as your people to recognize the hopes and the limits of the political process, that insofar as you call us to learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, that we would hope for a healthy and just political process because such a process codifies Answers to these very ideals. But at the same time, Father, I pray that we would be realistic, informed by Scripture about the limits of this process, that the peace, health, and justice that we all aspire to will never arrive by means of politics. It will only come when the glory of God, your glory, Lord, fills the earth as the waters cover the sea. Let us hope in you, Lord. And Father, I do pray for anyone who is listening to this. Um, who perhaps senses a calling into a public office. Father, I pray that they would seek you, that they would be humble and humbled by you, God, and that they would go into this not because they want power, but because they want to serve. We love you, and it's in Christ's name that we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, brothers, thanks for taking on a tough topic. I appreciate you guys joining me. Uh, Pastor Ryan, Pastor John, James, so grateful for you. Listen, there's so many uh, resources that we want to avail to you for you to go deeper into this discussion. As James mentioned, the website for CTV, Citizens for Traditional Values, is on our link there. You can click on it and learn more. Uh, Also know that as your pastors, we're going to be leading you into a deeper study of God's word into this as we go throughout the year. Pray, 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 because I believe that as we get our disposition and instructions from heaven, we really can be an alternative voice, Christ-centered voice for a culture that so desperately needs a witness for Jesus. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your day and God bless. I can't wait to see you next time on The Link.